0: you are in a vicious war with a relentless enemy. And you don't have any say in the matter. Whether you choose to fight or not does not matter because there is an enemy that is intent on stealing from you and killing you and destroying you. He's going to come at us whether we fight ferociously or whether we stand there and just take it. And what's at stake is our marriage, our families, our future, our hope. Many weapons are formed against you. But the three that will definitely be thrown your way are these. Pride. Pride. Unbelief and temptation to the sexual, sexual temptation. But you have an ally who is stronger than this enemy. You have an ally whose fighting tactics and whose ways are totally unconventional and unpredictable, but they're better. And they're stronger. And because of this strong, unconventional ally, these weapons that the enemy is raising against you will not prosper when we align ourselves in him. One of those strategic, unconventional tactics of warfare of our strong and mighty ally is humility humility I want to say it again when we align ourselves with this ally when we align ourselves with Jesus Christ then no weapon that is formed against us by the enemy shall prosper that's what the word of God says we are nearing our series on praying God's will. Whether we've been covering the Lord's prayer as shown in Matthew chapter 6. And let's just jump into it today and then we're going we're gonna to go over verse 13, which is what I'm preaching on today. So if you feel comfortable doing so, um, we've been reading this out loud every week. Um, if you feel comfortable, let's read it out loud together. So Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then in this way. and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 13 contains the last two requests. The sixth and seventh petitions that Jesus asks us to make of the Father when we pray. Have you ever wondered about this portion of of the Lord's Prayer where, where He says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're praying to the Father. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I know I have. I've often wondered, is that something God does often? <laughs> that Jesus would almost seemingly warn us about this? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the words. Um, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. This is translated into Greek. Um, This is what the New Testament, this this is what we're familiar with. But let's look at the words and the definition of those words for tempted and for evil. And then we're going to look at one other. Uh, So for temptation uh, and then evil, and then we'll come back to another word for tempted. Um, So the word temptation is perosimos, which means a trial. Proving or testing of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. This is how that word is described. It it says temptation, but it's not temptation as we know it. The definition of this is testing. Proving of a man's integrity, of a man's constancy. Even that, we might find curious that Jesus is saying, pray this way. Pray to the Father. Do not lead me into temptation. Do not lead me into testing. Do not lead me into a trying of my integrity. Friends, this portion of the Lord's prayer is all about humility. It's all about having a humble heart and it's also about the Father's heart of protection for us. He knows that we have an enemy. It's addressed in the very next line. He knows that life is hard. He knows that we're in a battle. He knows that we're in warfare. And He's given us early on here a weapon to fight that, and that's humility. You know, I I am not an Aramaic scholar. I am not a Greek scholar. So instead of trying to pretend like I am, I'm going to read something written by someone who is an Aramaic and Greek scholar. So Daniel B. Wallace, he wrote Greek grammar beyond the basics. And on page 233, referring to Matthew 6.13, he says this, and I quote, Although the King James Version renders this, deliver us from evil... The presence of the article indicates not evil in general, but the evil one himself. In the context of Matthew's Gospel, such deliverance from the devil seems to be linked to Jesus' temptation in chapter 4, verses 1-10. through Not just evil. Not just deliver us from some generic evil. But deliver us from the evil one. So with this in mind, let's let's read Matthew 6:13 again. And do not lead or do not bring us into a testing or proving of our integrity and faithfulness, but deliver us from the evil one. Do not bring us into testing or proving, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to be abundantly clear in this message. I really do. This part of the Lord's Prayer is about humility and spiritual warfare. It's about humility and spiritual warfare. Just a little bit earlier, we prayed for our daily needs. We prayed for tangible, earthly, daily needs in the form of praying for, give us this day our daily bread. And right now what Jesus is saying is you have a need for spiritual daily needs as well. You have a need for spiritual deliverance from an enemy who seeks to devour you. But there's got to be a reliance, a submission to a holy God who will equip you to walk in victory and to deliver you from that enemy. Are you guys seeing that? Jesus knows firsthand what it is to be led by God into testing. Jesus knows firsthand what it is to lead others into testing. In Matthew chapter 4, we see in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by who? by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I I said before, I've got definitions for the word temptation and then for evil, and now tempted. And I want to point out the differences. In Matthew 6, it used the word uh, peresimos for temptation. And Matthew 4 uses a similar word, similar Greek. uh, It's got the the same root word, but it's a different word, and it's perazo, which means this. This is the definition of it. How cool is this? To try. To attempt whether a thing can be done. To make trial of or test for the purpose of ascertaining one's quality. This is what Jesus was led into the wilderness for. He had to be. He had to be the certainty of his quality had to be ascertained the perfection of jesus had to be established in the face of testing and trial and temptation and it was god who led jesus into this but here's the good news jesus came out with flying colors he passed with flying colors he didn't he didn't give in he didn't sin he didn't fall he didn't cave But I will say this, Jesus knows how hard that was. Jesus knows how hard it is. So much so that later when Jesus is preaching this sermon on a mount, called the Sermon on the Mount, He includes in this perfect prayer the petition to us to pray to the Father that He would not lead us into testing. Here's the heart of this, guys. Here's the heart of this right here. God does not want us to be thrust into testing or trial unnecessarily or prematurely. Why? Why? Because the Father knows what the result of sin is. Death, right? God knows what the result of sin is. It's death and it's hurt. And He wants us to be spared from death and hurt. And so when He's saying, pray to the Father, that you not be led into testing, into trial, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. What he's saying is, you're going to have trials. You're going to have testing. You're going to have temptation. But humbly submit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I just ask that you would spare me from something this heavier than me before I'm ready. Life is hard. And we are in a fight. And the devil is vicious. He's vicious. One of the biggest mistakes we can make is to assume he the devil doesn't exist. He's a fictional character. Or to assume that there's some good in him. There is no good in the devil. There's no good in the devil. There's nothing cute about the devil. I don't care if you if, if it's a caricature. And he's red and got a curly pointed. There's nothing cute or good in the enemy. He comes with a singular purpose that has three parts: steal, kill, destroy. See, that's amazing to me. See, he's not just he's not just content. Our enemy, this vicious enemy, is not just content to kill us. That that's not what Jesus said. He wants to harass us first. He wants to molest us first. He wants to frighten us first. He wants to steal our peace, steal our joy, steal our unity, steal our hope. He wants to torment us first. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows who the enemy is, Jesus knows who he is and he clearly knows who he is because he walked through this testing spotless without blemish in perfection what Jesus is telling us to ask the father for is his grace and mercy it's grace and mercy that keeps us from trials before we're ready I'll say it again. This prayer is about humility. You guys, we've got to acknowledge that God is our deliverer. We've got to acknowledge that God is the strong one. And I make this simple statement, guys, because it's not so simple. We often forget and we think we're the ones that have to bear the weight of the world. And we're not. We're not asked to, and we're not equipped for it. And we're not equipped to it. And this prayer of humility that that Jesus says to pray, it includes a sense of that. You guys don't don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought. There's a passage, Romans twelve And Paul sums up this heart stance in these words of Jesus by saying, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. These petitions, and especially this sixth petition, Lord, don't bring us into testing. It shows the heart of the Father in that Jesus does not want us to suffer. Friends, if we think that Jesus wants us to suffer, then we are are mistaken. We are so, so wrong. Because just as I said that there is no good in the devil, you guys, there is no bad in our God. He is good and only good. And there's not even a little sadistic part of Him. There's not... He doesn't want to see us suffer. He doesn't want to see us harmed. Now, in full disclosure, a lot of times we won't make change in our lives unless there's pain. But there's a difference between pain and harm. There's a difference between pain and harm. I know, I rarely make change without a little bit of pain. I've told this story before. I love the story. I'm going to tell it again. Plus I get to use my southern accent. There's a man sitting on a front porch on his rocking chair. Over to the side is his dog, and his dog's just crying and whimpering. The man's just sitting there rocking. Neighbor walks by and says, Howdy, neighbor. Neighbor. Neighbor, why is your dog crying? He said, Well, he's lying on top of a nail. The passing by neighbor says, well, ain't you going to move him? man says, no. He'll move when the pain's bad enough. There's a difference between pain and harm. I found in my life, most of the time there's pain because I'm doing something outside the will of God. When I'm in pain, I'm doing something that I know is originated in me and walked out by me and really desired by me and the result of it is pain. God wants to keep us from harm and He knows the result of us falling into sin. You guys, the result of us falling into sin is harm. The result of... Pride, man. Pride's a big one, guys. It really is. Raise your hand if you think you're exempt from pride. Raise your hand. <laughs> unbelief is another big one, guys. If we can question, if we can question that our God is real, if we can question that His love is real, if we can question that His power is real, if 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 unbelief creeps in, that's a big one. And then I throw in sexual temptation. You have to. It's a big one. Talk about a yielding of the flesh, a desire of the flesh. Talk about something that links with the other. Man, sexual temptation is closely linked with pride. Someone caters to our, our ego. Someone caters to our sense of importance. Well, she gets it. Well, he understands me. Pride, man. You guys, it's a wicked world we live in. And the Father knows this and Jesus knows this and we better know this. So our loving God wants us to avoid the misery of a needless pitfall. So what does he say to do? This is so key and so simple. Avoid temptation. Avoid temptation. You guys, we don't sin without temptation coming first. Very rare is there such a a sin of spontaneity that's not preceded by temptation. I don't know if it even exists at all. Even for a split moment, you're tempted before you, you know, do knock that guy out. Ladies, you shouldn't be knocking your husbands out. Temptation precedes sin. So what's the best way to avoid sin? Avoid temptation! So I heard an anecdote. And it says, the reason so many Christians fall into sin is because they treat temptation like strawberries and cream rather than a rattlesnake. They treat temptation like strawberries and cream rather than a rattlesnake. Ooh! That does look nice. Let me come in for a little close. Let me get a sniff. You guys, we don't sniff rattlesnakes. You don't sniff rattlesnakes. Let me get a little closer. Maybe I can just just get a little taste. I could just get a little. It's strawberries and cream. No it's not. It's a rattlesnake. Ooh, what song is that? Sounds like a mariachi. Oh no, it's a rattlesnake! We treat temptation the same way, guys. We should. We don't dance around it. And that passage about let's not think ourselves more highly than we ought, we're not Superman. If I if I rip open this shirt, there's not a big S on my chest. There's not a a red cape that's going to come out. I don't put myself in the situation of temptation. We don't put ourselves I'm not saying that definitively like, oh, I never do that. I'm saying we don't do that. Did you know that Billy Graham won't even go up an elevator with a woman if it's just the two of them in the elevator? Talk about humility. It's Billy Graham. And you know what he'll do? He'll just excuse himself. You have a wonderful day. And he'll get off, and the doors will close, and he'll hit the button again, and he'll get back on. Why? Why? Because he refuses to put himself in the way of temptation. Is that remarkable or what? But it's also humility, guys. He understands the weapon of humility that he fights with. He understands that he's got it. He's got it, and it defeats the enemy. We don't sin without temptation. And the best way to avoid sin is to avoid temptation. And this is what I believe... Was Jesus's rationale in giving us these last two petitions? You want a passage of Scripture that equips us for the fight? How about this one? First Thessalonians 5:16 through 22. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances friends as i'm reading this please understand these are weapons okay our unconventional god and his unconventional fighting ways that we have to trust that his ways are not our ways i'm reading i'm reading a, an arsenal right here i'm just reading an arsenal list okay rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you what's the name of our series praying god's will we want god's will we're victorious in god's will do not quench the spirit Another on that arsenal. Do not despise prophecies. Check. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This is the way I learned it. I learned it like the King James Version. I learned it as abstain from even the appearance of evil. Abstain from even the appearance of evil. That smells a little evil. That that has the hint of the evil one. I'm just gonna stay away from that. Lord, if that's not evil, then you just gotta bring it to my eyes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from that. See, he's the Holy Spirit's within us, he guides us, he's he's strategic. If it looks like evil, stay away from it. If it appears to be the evil one, stay away from it. You guys, we don't go picking a fight with the enemy. Not because we're fearful people, but because we haven't been told by Jesus to go pick a fight with the enemy. Can I say that again? Because I like, you know, I, I, I'm an aggressive guy, man. I, I, I the enemy, Someone's messing. The only people that have to fear me is someone that's trying to harm my family or my friends. If... That's the only person that ever has to try and, you know, has to fear me. But I've never been told in this word to go pick a fight with Satan. I've been told to set my eyes on Jesus, I've been told to follow his example and do what the Father says. We have to understand that God's weapons are not our weapons, and his are much mightier. His weapons bring victory. What are his weapons? Humility in God? Reliance upon God? Submission to God? First Peter five, six through nine says this. And once again, guys, please let's recognize a bunch of weapons in this passage. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God not just humble ourselves guys it's not just it's not just being it's not just being a humble dude it's not just being a humble lady it's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God we humble ourselves in Christ we're not just a submitted person we, we are submitted to God humble ourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. You guys, we are to be watchful. When it comes to temptation, we're to be watchful. That looks like the enemy. That, that smells like the enemy. That could be the enemy. I, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm, in your faith knowing that speaks of that faith that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world our enemy roams around like a roaring lion you guys when I was in South Africa I came back and I shared that story there was a buffalo down in the dry riverbed. Two male lions surrounded him. They pounced. They took him down briefly. And that buffalo made it, miraculously made it up, up the hill, up the bankment. And the lions went up after him. So we jumped in our jeeps and we drove around. And we get up there and there is a herd of buffaloes facing out. The one who had gone down on the inside. And those two lions they roamed around and they roared and they snarled but they didn't dare attack the buffaloes they would have got mashed they would have been the lions would have been crushed the devil roams around seeking whom he may devour and when we are strong and we are unity and we stand you know together in Christ Jesus we're strong and we're not susceptible to that That same attack when we're alone. When we're alone. When we're straggling behind. When we've when we've secluded ourselves and we've backed away. You guys, man, you might as well put a big target saying delicious, bite me. I mean not like but like you know, like (laughs) eat me. I'm delicious and I'm I'm fair game. We don't seclude ourselves, guys. Stay in the family of Christ. So after reading that passage, you got some manly men might not like this and, and might not have liked other references I've made. But most references in the Word of God to fighting Satan are of a defensive nature. They talk about a defensive stance. Stand. Resist and then the most hated one flee. Forget that, bro. I'm going to go out the devil with these, man. I'm taking them down with the gun show. Can't mess with my family. I'm going to show you his boss. Come here, Satan. What's up? Bro, let me know how that works out for you. Maybe you should look at the Word of God and see how that works worked out with the seven sons of Sceva who, uh, who went after the demonic in their own authority and the demons are like, I don't know you. Come here. And they beat the sons of Sceva n- demons near to death. Why? Because they went in their own authority. They went with their own mission. They went with their own purpose. They didn't do it out of obedience to, the, to God. If God tells us there's a giant and he's mocking me go take him down. There's rocks. Here's a here's a strap of leather. Take him down. We can do it. We can do it boldly. And we can know that God's going to direct that stone and it's going to strike the giant. And we don't have to fear the giant. But if we're just going and picking a fight with the giant, because in some way, I'll just say it, man. I, I think once again, pride think let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought man we should be doing what Jesus tells us to do Jesus only did what the father told him to do so why don't we why don't we go on the offensive against the enemy why don't we go pick in a fight with the enemy I'll give you a couple of easy answers we don't pursue Satan. We don't pursue Satan. We don't seek Satan. If I'm going to go fight someone, if I'm going to go pick a fight with someone, what do I got to do? I got to pursue them. I've got to go to where they are. I've got to seek them. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do a search for seek. Do a search for pursue. Do a search for flee. What do we pursue? Righteousness, holiness, grace, love, the the common building up of one another, the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All throughout, that's what we seek. We seek God. We set our eyes on Christ. I don't care what the enemy is doing. If my eyes are on Christ, I'm going to trust my victor and my defender. I'm going to trust Him. I'm not going to set my eyes on the enemy. When I set my eyes on the enemy, that's when he seems big. That's when he's awfully loud. That's when he tries to freeze us with that roar. And he tries us to buy into fear. Friends, we don't live our lives in fear. We live our lives in faith. And those two things are in complete contrast. And they're in complete opposition. Either we live our lives in fear or we live our lives in faith. We cannot do both. And if we're living our lives in faith, we have to believe that God is who his word says he is. And that we are in Him who God says we are. James 4 6 and 7 says this, but He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the enemy. And he will flee. In sports, they say that defense wins games. And that's true in spiritual warfare as well. I I can't say I totally love it. Because there's times I I just really want to go on the offensive against the enemy. but I set my eyes on Jesus. He's bigger. He's my champion. In Him, I'm sound, and I'm whole, and I'm strong, and I trust Him. And that means I've got to trust His timing. And that means I've got to trust His unconventional ways. That means I've got to trust everything about Him. But I, I, I run into the strong tower. You guys, the strong tower is not on wheels. It's not a tank. It doesn't say I run into the tank and I am safe and secure. I run into the strong tower. I run into the defensive place of the Lord. And I am saved. Why? Because I want nothing to be able to boast about. It is our God who deserves the glory. And who will receive the glory when the victory is won. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. I get to do these things along with those who call on the Lord. Friends, you get to do these things along with those who call on the Lord. You guys, we get to do life together. We get to pursue Jesus together. We get to flee from evil together. That don't make us chicken. That don't make us yellow. That makes us smart. Do you know that when it comes to temptation, God doesn't want us to be dominant? He wants us to be fast. Fast. Run from it. Flee from it. 1 Peter 3 10 and 11 says for whoever desires to love life and see good days that's I'll I'll take that I desire that let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it let him seek peace and pursue it I fight my fights in Christ Jesus so I seek peace and I pursue peace and in him I find it and only in him will we find it friends We are not praying that we won't be tempted because we know we're going to be tempted. We're not praying that we won't be tested because we know we're going to be tested. We are praying that we will not be prematurely or unnecessarily tested by being brought into something that is beyond our strength. Humility. We pray that nothing will bring us into temptation and testing pre maturely and unnecessarily. Because one of the worst things that can happen to someone is that they find success before they're ready. Is that they find success before they're mature. Because immaturity squanders success. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, but the Son of God. God didn't even test him. God didn't even bring him into this trial, this testing, until he was 30. Until he was 30. This didn't happen when Jesus was 16. This didn't happen when Jesus was 25. God, even God, his own son, he shielded him from premature testing until there was a readiness, until it was his timing. Guys, there is no room for a proud heart in this petition. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Our humble prayer is that God will not let us fall into a situation that's greater than us, guys. That's our prayer. That God will shield us from something that's bigger than us. I've I've, I stand by I stand by my character. But I'm still not going to ask God to test it. I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought. If I find myself in a test of my character, then I pray for grace to walk through and I pray for the equipping of God to sustain me through that. Does that make sense? Humility, guys. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, And I've heard this said, that this is the first verse that a new believer should memorize. Let's memorize this so when we lead someone to Christ, we can say, hey, i got something for you to memorize. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man or, or that is also not common to the Son of Man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of victory the way of victory the way of escape that you may be able to endure it if uh, if my musician could come up real quick I just want to land this I am well aware how much I've talked about humility in this message and it's been intentional but let me give us this word of wisdom guys when we know someone who has fallen into temptation when we hear of someone who has fallen into temptation this is how we should go to that person this could have happened to me just as easily as it happened to you I'm not better than you it could be me next time But by the grace of God. We come in that heart, we come in that stance, we've just given ourselves an opportunity to minister the the love of God to them. If we come in humility and peace in that way, hey, hey, I'm not better than you. That could have been me. I love you. Come here. I love you, man. I love you, friends. Humility in God is one of the mightiest weapons we have. In closing, guys, let's not go looking for testing or trying, but let's welcome it when it comes. Jesus says, go so far as to say, to consider it joy. And we can welcome it because we realize that a sovereign God permitted it and will strengthen us through it. But deliver us from the evil one. You guys, there's an evil one. There is. There's an evil one. And he hates us. And we need deliverance from him every day. That's why we look to Jesus every day. His mercies are new every morning. I need deliverance every day. I need to set my eyes on Jesus every day. As we pray for daily bread. As we pray for forgiveness. As we pray to not be led into temptation. We must also pray for daily deliverance. Until that day comes of the second coming of Jesus Christ. When once and for all, Satan will be eternally defeated. But until that day, we need daily deliverance. Daily reliance. We're in, we're in a fight, guys, whether you like it or not. Whether you're fighting back or not, we're in a fight. And it's called spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6, 10-13 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, If someone asks you who is the devil, you've got the easiest answer in the world. Who's the devil? He's your enemy. He's my enemy, but he's your enemy, and he's real. He exists. He is completely evil, and he totally hates you. He is active. His business is to steal and kill and destroy, and business is good. But Our enemy, the devil, is still under God's control. Satan is not all-powerful, but our God is. And God came to give us life and to give it to the fullest. The reason we pray for daily deliverance from the evil one is because God is greater than and the evil one. We can never forget that. And that is why we set our eyes on him. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We have a need for daily deliverance. We have it today. We'll need it tomorrow. We'll need it the day after. And that doesn't make us weak because he's the strong one. We have to remember that. Guys, we never outgrow the need for the Lord's Prayer. We don't outgrow the need for one single petition. You guys, we will need to pray this prayer for the rest of our lives. We will need to pray this prayer long after we've moved on to the next series, the next sermon, the next season we we'll still need to be praying this prayer. We will still need to be coming to the Lord, saying, Lord, above any, anything else, I want your will to be done. Because I trust you and I trust your will. It's important, friends, that we walk this life in humility. That we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of a mighty God.